Hello, Tub Thinkers, and welcome to Hot Tub Thoughts, the place where your thoughts think. My name is Brian Duvendak, and joining me today is Nathan from the Postmodern Art Podcast, and we're going to talk all things cartoon and animation. But first, an outdated reaction to Jimmy Carter. That was like eight years ago, asshole. People don't forget. From 1977 to 1981, Jimmy Carter served as our 39th president of the United States of America. At the time, many people were critical of Jimmy Carter and believed that his lack of action as a whole was a bad thing. I'm here to give my outdated reaction to President Jimmy Carter. Stop complaining about a president that doesn't do anything. We've had presidents since then that do shit and we're not happy about it. Alright, if I could take a president that did nothing over basically anyone who's been in office over the last 10 years, I'll take it. I'll take it in a heartbeat. That sounds great. A president doesn't do anything except sign the bills, do his job. That sounds amazing. Also, how the hell is Jimmy Carter still alive? The man is 96 now. He was born in 1924. And he had the highest stress job in the history of jobs. Like, there's never been a job that is more stressful than being president of the United States during the Cold War. And he did that while everyone hated him. And with all that stress, he still is living to 96 years old. I mean, how? How is that possible? How? Not to mention the man's the most moral person ever. A Secret Service agent retired a couple of years back. He served for everyone from Truman up until Trump. And he said upon his retirement that the only president that he did not have to do some kind of cover-up for was Jimmy Carter. Because even though he didn't do shit, Jimmy Carter is the most moral man to ever be in the Oval Office. The man is just a saint. He is a completely unproductive non-political saint and quite frankly that sounds pretty nice right about now this has been an outdated reaction to president jimmy carter coming up next an interview with the hosts of the postmodern art podcast you've made the wild allegations but you have proven nothing you made this a long journey just to show the world that they were right about you you are incapable of conducting a real interview you're a joke I'm joined now by Nathan from the Postmodern Art Podcasts. He is the host of his own podcast. He's 2006 Time Magazine Person of the Year, and he's had a hand in a number of podcasts uh, beyond his own. Welcome to the show. Do you want to break down exactly what you guys do on your podcast for the audience? For my podcast, the Postmodern Art Podcast, uh, I bring on artists every single week that, in my opinion, are just already wowing the world over. I'm t- and I'm going all out when it comes to art, painting, commission stuff, animation, even going stuff that people might not consider art. I recently just brought on a wrestler for one of my most recent podcasts Then talk about the art of wrestling. But every week I have them sit down and we talk about basically their passion, what got to this point and try to inspire other artists to like see, hey, this is what I had to do. You can do something similar to this or this is take inspiration more than anything else. Now, we did talk specifically about doing animation for this episode. So let me ask you, why is it that so many adults are so opposed to animation? Why is there this weird Uh, mentality of like your dad walks in the room and he's like, you're still watching a cartoon. You're 23 years old, even though it's, you know, clearly not meant for children. If you've seen anime, 
good chunk of it I would not let kids watch. I guess it's just mainly because as a society, how we've kind of marketed animation throughout our the existence of film, like ever since the beginning of film itself, like we've always understood like, you know, hey, certain films are made for this audience, certain films are made for this audience. And like whenever we come to animation, like the first bits of animation was like Disney or Looney Tunes or stuff along the lines that that was catered directly towards kids. So it's just kind of that years long mentality that we've always kind of had with that. I mean, obviously, like there, there's exceptions along the way, but those same exceptions aren't as successful as Pinocchio, for example. It's just how it's been marketed and for ages on end. So what what went differently for the Eastern culture versus our Western culture to where animation became more accepted as a medium for all versus for children? Mm, I see what you mean. Uh, I think part of that. So, sorry, correct me if I'm wrong. You're talking like more specifically like the anime aspect, if I will, with Eastern culture. Well, uh, anime, but I mean, there are other things. Anime is definitely going to be right. the example that most of my listeners will know, but there are other aspects to it. I mean, it's one of those, it's going to be the most shining example because it's the most successful example. It's yeah. been around for Lord knows how long. When it comes to anime as a whole, part of that is sort of the context behind it. See, for a lot of the animation that we have these days, there might be some context to it. You know, there might be a book or there might be some stuff to it, but a lot of the stuff is original with anime. A lot of the stuff kind of already has a bit of a test run with like the mangas themselves. So if people know the mangas, which are catered to whatever audiences, whenever the anime itself does come out, people know what that audience is and they know what to expect. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's not really as much of a stigma anymore. If you're an adult reading comic book, but if you're an adult watching a cartoon based on that comic book, there's still that weird stigma. Why is that? I, I will say part of that is, you know, you said comic books in particular. Uh, a major thing for that one is because most of the comic books that you know people read growing up, they're being turned not into animation, but to live action stuff. They're making it realistic, catering to that adult audience, that older audience more than anything else. See, if all the comic books were made to animated stuff like some have varying degrees of success but like when if they were all animation or whatnot there might still be that like childlike stigma to it uh with uh, the manga and such like again it's like they kind of already know what the audience is because at least in our eyes like we understand like the different culture different sort of standard and such when it comes to what can be shown and what can't be shown uh since we're talking about anime and cartoons, there are any particular anime and any particular cartoons that you are a fan of? I'm not huge on anime. I, I want to be more huge on anime because for me, like it's a lot of investment. I already got a lot so of stuff going on. So, so much, much investment if you pick the wrong show. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But the top two that come to mind, I've said this over and over again. One Punch Man, mainly because it in itself is a parody of anime as a yeah. whole, especially the superhero genre in anime. And another one called Fooly Cooly, mainly because it's like even with the two additional seasons that came along with it. Sure, you can sit down just watching maybe one sitting or whatnot. When it comes to the Western Americanized one, I've actually been a lot more invested in independent animation than I have like network animation. The biggest one for me right now is Has Been Hotel, Hell of a Boss, that whole entire Spindle Horse Tunes universe. And I mean, I've had several guests from that universe like that worked on that show, those shows come down and sit on the podcast having their like insight has always been incredible um uh mayhem which is basically just a cartoon of like the classic 80s like he-man style but like from the villain's perspective like why they're going through this stuff i I mean even the the not stater stuff like just looking at half the cartoons that are being produced nowadays like a lot of people can give a lot of crap to the smaller stuff but like there's still some like 
really well done cartoons being done today. I know Steven Universe was a major shining example. I'm trying to think of the couple off the top of my head, but animation now, especially just as a whole, has come leaps and bounds when it comes to how great it can look and the storytelling that it can be applied to it. I think historically, there's always been this kind of connotation with adult cartoons where they're kind of viewed as just raunchy. Uh, you know, Family Guy, The Simpsons, yeah, yeah. Dad, etc. And there are definitely modern cartoons that play into that. But there's also some that I feel like set themselves apart. Stuff like that. Oh, yeah. What are your thoughts on that kind of evolution? And do you think adult animation is being seen as a credible medium now? Oh, uh, to answer that second question. Oh, absolutely. As a credible medium. Because... The- adult animation these days are getting the recognition like you were talking about i think the main reason why it was raunchy back in the days you have to consider the time when it did came out like you know the family guys uh south park beavis and butthead like those shows like that they were kind of catered toward that audience with how raunchy and how like out of the world it was for those cartoons like a lot of people around that time period because they knew that was getting like the big views that's what they were going to go for like that's what they wanted to get to the audience because that's that's what the executives thought that the audience wanted so there was a lot more emphasis on that than intellectual stuff and you know stuff that makes you think as times have evolved and as people's opinions have evolved as well like shining that spotlight to something that isn't catering to just the the funny bone in you but rather like making you think like the rick and morty which i think was a major game changer in doing that but also like you said you know close enough and you know shows along lines of that to where it actually makes you think a little bit more past like you know uh, fart joke that that in itself like it's telling of the times and it's making executives like rethink their decision one thing i did want to emphasize now that i'm actually talking about this an opinion i've always had is whenever it comes to like shows being produced or whatnot the executives do not care about their audience the way that people want you to think. Executives only care about the audience based on the numbers because those numbers can be turned around and sold to advertisers, which can make them money. Now, or showrunners, de- sorry. Depending on the show, it's uh, also merchandise. You know, a big yeah. thing with kids' cartoons is they don't really make money off of advertisement, but off merchandise, which is why like Teen Titans got canceled because it wasn't yeah. selling merchandise, even though the ratings were through the roof. Absolutely. I mean, that's another great example. That's why you know Rick and Morty at this point has been bounds away one of the more successful adult cartoons out there. The executives, at the end of the day, they're caring about what makes them money. All right, uh, more than anything else. Now, the showrunners, they they're gonna care about the audience because obviously this is their passion. This is the thing that they've solely invested themselves into. But the executives just think, oh, how can this make us money? That's what they're thinking of. They see like times are changing and certain things are being promoted. and They're going to invest a lot more in that. That's why I think adult animation has gotten a lot more thought provoking than it has been. How much do you think streaming services have changed this culture? Obviously with anime, because anime is basically made to be binged. But I mean, I know I've talked with other people about how it's affected live action, how Mm -hmm. certain shows like Community struggled on the network. Or uh, Arrested Development's another great example. Struggled on the network, but thrive on streaming. Because they're the kind of show mm-hmm. where sometimes you have to pause it. Sometimes you want to go back. You want to catch an Easter egg, etc. So, well, And I'm sure that's even more prevalent in animation. Oh, it's absolutely prevalent in animation. You got to realize that more than anything else when it comes to streaming services, it's a lot more convenient 
for people to make animation for a streaming service because it's one of those like you can make like you can plan this out years in advance you have people especially nowadays with covid being a major thing working from home and such so like salaries are going to be a lot different you know when it comes to all that sort of stuff but at the end of the day like you know especially like you were talking about like sitting down binging something animators if they really want to know how to sneak in as many easter eggs and like little nuances here and there to where people want to go back and figure out wait oh this was a thing oh this was a major thing the biggest example that i could think of like streaming helping a show is infinity trade on cartoon network which had a lot of love like it's a great show it had a lot of love and people were absolutely like sold on it from the pilot alone myself included the network never really gave it a shot, but then the streaming service did. And like, anytime I go on the social media, it blows up people mm-hmm. like all the time. So there's even right now, they've already announced like season four, but they also announced that's the last one. So people are already bringing up the renew infinity train hashtag again, because they want more It's great. It definitely deserves it. And infinity trains, one of those ones. I know any adult listeners, which not that many, my main audience base is between 18 and 25. But that's still an adult. adult. <laughs> nah. All right. Any any like elder millennial or up listeners I have um, are going to hear Cartoon Network and they're immediately going to go, oh, my God, you know, Cartoon Network like this. You were talking about adult animation. This can't be appealing to adults. What mm. makes Infinity Train appealing to adults? Since that's I, a great example, I think, of something on Cartoon Network that can still be great for all ages. The storytelling more than anything else, because it's not something that's going to dumb something down. See that it goes back to that stigma that we talked about at the beginning as well. Things have been always been catered towards kids, so they had to be kind of simplified for kids. But no, like you can have complex storylines that kids can still pick up on, but you can still have like the funny moments. Infinity Train finds a good blend when it comes to the writing more than anything else. It gets you engaged because there's this shroud of mystery going over it. What is this train all about? How do people get off? What is going on? Why are there all these robots? Why is this person being hunted down? The storytelling is the shining star of that show. It can get just about anyone hooked on it. They just sit down and watch. And that's another thing. There needs to be a stigma that needs to be broken between what is kids animation, what is adult animation, because there needs to be that middle ground of just family animation. Mm -hmm. Something to where you can sit down and just anyone in the family can watch and they can find different aspects that they enjoy there might be you know you know the funny little humor that the kids like but for the adults it's like the you know this the visuals are looking great or like the story really hooks them in or something like that this i had a guest on by the name of joshua leonard does that name ring a bell to you it rings a bell but i can't tell from where okay uh he is a character designer over at netflix right now but he is currently developing his own independent animation series called Team Supreme, which is based on a group of kids who have superpowers based on disability. Like if you go on the Facebook, like you'll see a lot of people covering it. And he was talking about like that's something that he wants to strive for because, you know, for something as sensitive as different disabilities or whatnot, he wants to be able for kids to understand the concept. But at the same time, like the adults to be able to sit there, watch with them and help them understand how they can handle like, you know, certain disabilities and such with their kids, something that he is striving for with his his series once he gets that actually off the ground which is a great concept and i really he's one of several people that i'm rooting for i have the poster back well only you can see it <laughs> audio listeners can't i love that idea one of the things that's drawn me to a lot of animation is the way they can talk about mental health infinity train's a great example they really tackle some serious stuff on there and when it comes to mental health and honestly from my childhood i was a huge digimon fan as a kid there we uh, go. digimon <laughs> especially the english dub as an age great, it was just they didn't put a lot of money into it. But the writing was incredible. The way they tackled the issue of depression on that show is beautifully written for any show, kid or adult. I want to get your take 
on some upcoming animation projects that have been announced. Okay, uh, let's go. All right. Number one, reboot of Clone High. Are you familiar with Clone High? Oh, I'm familiar with Clone High. Um, again, I need to sit down and actually watch yeah. the one season that there is. But, I mean, anyone that's been on the internet for longer than you know 30 minutes can find anything on Clone High. I'm excited because, I mean... It's not like they just rebooted it and like gave it to some random studio like Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who ever since Clone High have been absolutely killing it with just about anything that they were given. Any of the Lego stuff, you know, into the Spider-Verse, like anything they've been given uh, the upcoming The Millers versus Machines, which looks absolutely great. They've been killing it. They're back and they're behind it. And this is the stuff that they've wanted to do this forever. Like this is a passion project for them. So I have full faith that this is going to be as good, if not better than the original series. I'm wondering how they're going to tackle Gandhi, how it, yes. it was and like that was part of the reason why it was canceled in the first place yeah i don't know if they're just gonna i don't know if they're just gonna like you know throw him out and just say like oh yeah no gandhi's doing this random thing or like say he's actually a clone of this guy or something like that so uh for anyone who doesn't know clone high was a mtv series i believe yes Uh, yes you can find it on paramount plus now uh plug for someone who doesn't sponsor me it's uh, about a high school full of clones of famous people from history that the government operates main characters are abe lincoln jfk uh, Cleopatra, Joan of Arc, and Gandhi. Great show. Another one I want to talk to you about, the Avatar Studio. It was announced Ooh. that they're de- they're giving Avatar an entire studio, like the original creators, to make all these different Avatar projects. What do you think of that? Do you think that we should keep going with Avatar or just let it be this hidden gem in the past? It keep going with Avatar. For God's sakes, that world building that they this, that they built more than anything else. You could have a million different stories just based on every single Avatar alone. Um, and also, I want to say I think this is good compensation for them getting screwed out of the live action Netflix deal. Because in fact, that you know that was supposed to be something really good that wasn't going to be M Night Shyamalan's redo. But no, they're going to go forward with this. Uh, but I'm glad that the creators, it goes back to what I originally said when it comes to executives versus showrunners. The fact that the showrunners are the ones behind it and their passion is the one that's going into it. That's just how incredible, like you want to talk about like great storytelling, great visuals, like all sorts of different aspects. They've got that down to a T and then some. All right. And then the very last one at HBO Max announced an adult oriented Velma series. Uh, it'll act as a prequel for Scooby-Doo. It'll be about her in high school helping to solve a serial killer. And there's rumors it'll tackle the theory that she is a lesbian. Okay. I, I know which guest were you previously talking about this with? Cause I liked his take. Um, um, I talked with it about, uh, with it about Andrew Heaton. Andrew about Heaton. It with All Andrew right. Heaton. Yeah. Yes. Which by the way, he was a great guest. I was glad to hear him. Um, I'd never heard him before, but I loved his take just based on, you know, yeah, yeah. She's got to take on this serial killer. And then, you know, if you watch Scooby-Doo, like just how they tackled like tax fraud and all this stuff, the transition for that can't be easy on Velma more than anything else. (laughs) Like I, you know, I mean, it'd be interesting. And I definitely have faith in the people behind it. Uh, Mindy Cowling is a like for all the flack that she gets at times she still want a great writer and great when it comes to comedy and such so i have faith in that i'm just curious on how they're going to tackle it more than anything else like i know they said adult and all this kind of stuff and you know the, the lesbian thing like you know if that's what she wants that's what she's happy for go for it like that if that's something as long as it's not like a selling point on the show don't make it up front like, hey, she's a lesbian. Like, no, it's like, yeah, she's a lesbian. Anyways, here's the serial killer thing. Like, make sure that's the emphasis more than anything else. And I think this perfect transition to the question I like to ask all my guests. What drugs do you think each member of the Scooby-Doo gang are on? Okay, so we've already, everyone knows at this point that Shaggy is on either edibles or just straight up weed at that point. And I think Scooby definitely uh, tackles into it. Um, 
Fred, Fred's got to be on like crack or something like that because of how many, how over time, times, how much he overthinks all his contraptions, all the traps and stuff has to be crazy. Um, I, I'm pretty sure Andrew also said this, but I mean, Velma's got to be on Adderall or something like that to help keep her, like keep her mind going more than anything else. And you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if Daphne also like, you know, smoke weed just to, like ease herself out, ease up at times. Uh, and then would you like to plug your show real quick? Like I said at the beginning, uh, this is I'm on the Postmodern Art Podcast. Uh, we are on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and most audio streaming platforms. Uh, new episodes come out every Thursday, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 3 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time. One second. Big breath. Big breath. <laughs> um, I also have merchandise out, uh, which video viewers can see if there's a video version. But I have merchandise out. Go to teespring.com slash store slash PMAP. Um, I have two new designs that are coming out April 1st, which will probably be after this episode premieres. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Actually, I think this will come out after it. Then right now you can go to the store. There are two designs done by the incredible artist Tipsy J Hearts. Um, one of them being what I call Mr. Moneybags. Basically, she made me a Muppet, which I absolutely love. Um, and then, of course, the bright lights. Um, also, follow me on Twitter at PostModArtPod for future updates and guest announcements. And also recommend me guests. Like I would love to know what artists your audience would love to know more about. I will. I can't guarantee I can get you know top notch people, but as long as people give me recommendations, I'm more than happy to sit down with people that are wowing the world over more than anything else. All twelve of my audience. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us. Well, thank you for the opportunity. I really had a blast, and I I I want to say I know this is I don't know if you're gonna edit this part out, but what you're doing right now with this podcast, like I seriously love it. Like I sat down and listened just to get myself kind of prepared for what I was gonna be stepping myself into because this is my first podcast appearance, like being a guest. So I I mean the fact that I got to sit down and chat, we had a great conversation, and the conversations you have with your guests, like it's. A, I didn't know what to expect going into this, but I absolutely love it. Like the conversations, the topics you bring up more than anything else is absolutely incredible. And I cannot wait to see this thing grow a lot more. Seriously. Much appreciated. Thank you once again to Nathan for coming onto the podcast and talking with us about anime and cartoons, etc. I would like to just uh, remind all of you to check out the Postmodern Art Podcast. It's a great podcast. You can hear about all kinds of stuff, really expand your knowledge and because I got lazy and slacked off this week, I will not have a new segment here at the end for you. Instead, I will have the Smart S5 from the episode that I had to take down. I know most of you missed that. Um, it was my second ever episode. Had to take it down. Most of you never heard this segment. So for all but two of you, this is brand new. Um, enjoy. Here it is. How did you get back? The end, I had to project my consciousness forward into a suspended quantum state version of myself that exists across every possible instance of time. That makes no sense. Well, what if you were smarter? Welcome to SmartS Top 5, the way we like to end our show, and a segment in which we spend time and energy we probably shouldn't breaking down things that the creators of those things didn't even put this much thought into. On today's episode, we are going to break down the top five things about anime that non-anime viewers don't understand. Number five, yelling. I'm sure if you've never seen anime, except when you're walking through the room while someone else is watching it, you saw some random person's hair change color and they're screaming at the top of their lungs. This is something that a lot of especially shounen animes do, where they have characters just kind of yell a lot. Now this goes back to a martial arts principle 
where they believe that yelling at the right time could actually focus their energy or their key in order to make their attacks more precise. Number four, subbed versus dubbed. This is a thing that anime fans tend to hear a lot about, but non-anime fans probably don't even know what the terms mean. As we said earlier, dubbed is when it's dubbed over in English or another language, and subbed is when it has subtitles. Now, the reason there's this growing and increasing hatred for dubbed isn't actually that modern anime dubbed is bad. It's that there's a history of censorship. The West, especially the United States, has a history of really heavily censoring stuff that comes from other countries due to different moral values and what we think is appropriate for children. For example, in the TV show Yu-Gi-Oh!, for the Western version, they went through and reduced the breast size of almost every character. They also added the entire concept of the Shadow Realm, because in the original, it was about a card game and people got killed all the time. So they added the concept of the Shadow Realm to say, oh, they're not dead, they're trapped in another dimension. This is just one of many, many things that caused dub to not be quite as good when you're talking about old dub. But if you're talking about new dubs, such as My Hero Academia or Dragon Ball Super, it really is just down to your opinion about their voices. Number three, the hair. This is probably the simplest one on our list. Most anime is based on manga, which is basically Japanese comic books, but they're drawn in black and white. For this reason, it's a lot harder to distinguish characters, so they give main characters weird and strange hair designs in order to make them more distinguishable. Number two, nosebleeds meaning sexual attraction. It's an old trope in anime that if a character is sexually aroused, his nose will start bleeding. Now, there's a number of ways in which this could have come about, Two of the most popular online is the simple answer of censorship. You can't show someone getting a boner, so you show them bleeding from the nose. But the other idea is based on this idea that in uh, feudal Japan, it was considered polite to show your attraction to someone by forcing yourself to blush. Take your pick on which one's real. There's also about a dozen other explanations on the internet. Lastly, why we don't just watch live action. I know I've been asked, I know tons of other anime fans have been asked so many different times by so many different people, whether it's our parents, random teachers, friends, why we don't just watch live action, or why we'd watch cartoons as an adult. First of all, why do we have to justify the things we like? That's dumb. We can like whatever we want to like. But also, there are a lot of differences between live action and anime. For one, a lot of stuff that looks stupid in live action doesn't look stupid in anime because it's able to be animated. In live action, you know, it takes millions, if not billions of dollars, millions is way low volume, it takes billions of dollars in order to make realistic looking CGI. And even then, CGI is animated. If you're doing practical effects, it is so difficult to make anything look realistic which is fine if you're making a rom-com, but if you're making a fantasy or a sci-fi, you can do a lot more in anime without paying an arm and a leg. Another big advantage is that you don't have to constantly keep up with the age of the real characters. In the MCU, we're constantly losing actors, either to them actually dying, or they want to retire, or they want to move on. In anime, if this happens, you change the voice actor. When the original voice actor for Uncle Iroh and Avatar died during the second season, they did a respectful tribute, and then they had his understudy step in. And most of us didn't even know because we were children. This has been 5 Things That Non-Anime Viewers Don't Understand About Anime. 
thank you for joining us here on Hot Tub Thoughts. We just want to remind you that if you're ever feeling wacky or out of it or just really stumped, we've all been there. So don't be afraid to tune in and just let your mind wander. Take care. Thank mm-hmm. you.